Hi everyone. So just before we get started on today's episode, I just wanted to jump in and talk a little bit about the past few episodes and the upcoming episodes of more of the spiritual take of ADHD and the interconnection of it all. And I guess it's just my sort of personal interest and passion, but I'm finding it a lot with the way I'm working and the clients that I've got at the moment, that it really does um, all connect together. And so when I'm talking about intuition, or we're talking about the deeper inner wisdom, or getting to know ourselves better, or trust and the deep wisdom that we've got within us, and learning to live life more authentically, I want you to be able to know that it's a language that you can choose, that the language doesn't have to be my language, it can be your language, and you can pick and choose what feels right to you. And I know some people find it a bit uncomfortable when we start talking about more spiritual things and the universe and God and all these different things, but I want you to know that you're able to listen to this episode and really interpret it in the way that feels good and right and comfortable with you right now. And maybe come back and listen to the episode again in a few weeks. Let things integrate, let things settle. Because when we are delving into these conversations, especially after an ADHD diagnosis later on in life, and learning to reprogram certain beliefs and the conditionings and the stories that we've been holding on to, and the patterns of our thoughts and our behaviors, and then realizing there's maybe a different way to go about life, it can feel quite big and a bit overwhelming. So what I want to bring to you today is interesting conversations, conversations that I have um, found interesting and helpful for myself, but maybe your takeaways might be different. So please don't put any pressure on yourself to think that the language that's being used in all these conversations is something that you have to take on. I want you to be able to listen and take what feels good to you and let that integrate, let that just settle in, let that embody And I hope that over time, certain things will drop into place and you'll feel more equipped from a more sort of deeper perspective. So I really hope that you've enjoyed these recent conversations. And yeah, like I said, there there is this fantastic new program that I'm going to be starting um, at the end of January, which really taps more into changing our beliefs and our thought patterns um, and our mindset and our energy from a sort of much deeper, more cellular level. So here's the episode. I really hope you enjoy it. And like I say, just take it what feels good to you right now. Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and passionate about helping more women to understand and accept their amazing ADHD brains. After speaking to many women just like me and probably you, I know there is a need for more health and lifestyle support for women newly diagnosed with ADHD. In these conversations, you'll learn from insightful guests, hear new findings and discover powerful perspectives and lifestyle tools to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and purposeful life wherever you are on your ADHD journey. Here's today's episode. So hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast and today we are talking all about ADHD, intuition, spirituality, a a massive passion of mine, something that if you've worked with me you'll know that it's a a foundation of everything that I do with my coaching and my work and I'm delighted to have Dr. Robin McKay here and Dr. Robin is an authority on spiritual intelligence and is a top advisor to high EQ executives and leaders at Fortune 500 companies as well as elite level performers in entrepreneurship, sports and entertainment and Robin is known as a whole brain coach and she often tells a client I can work with your intellectual abilities and your emotions but I can't help you to truly transform unless I know your soul. Robin has a PhD in counselling psychology from the University of Kansas where she studied diverse concepts ranging from spiritual intelligence and personal development to positive psychology and creativity and her distinct range of tools that span from the spiritual to the scientific serves as the baseline to her unique approach to transformational leadership and innovation. Dr Robin thank you so much for, for being here and opening up a conversation which I know so many of the listeners will value. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I have chills running through my whole body 
right now. So I know we're going to have just an amazing conversation. I'm so happy to be here. And thank you, Kate, so much for inviting me to be here with you. Thank you. I mean, the way I work, I, I obviously call myself a well-being lifestyle coach. Um, I specifically work with ADHD women. I use EFT. Mm-hmm. But the older I'm getting, the more in touch I am with my spiritual side. And I really use my intuition for so much of my um, my work. And I never understood it. And I don't still don't know how it works. <laughs> but what I do know is that when I trust it, it never lets me down. And very often when I'm with a client, especially if we've been using EFT, it feels like there's been like an energy gateway opened Mm -hmm. and things come through to me, ideas, insights that I have no other time. And I love it. That's why I just adore working in the way that I do. And I feel very contained if I'm made to work in a way that doesn't use my intuition. So I sort of step away from certain ways of working and I trust that the way I have been helping people, I hope, has been been useful for them. Can you tell me a little bit about what you know about ADHD and intuition and I guess why so many of the people that I work with also rely so heavily on their intuition or are starting to learn why their intuition is so important to them? Well, this is my favorite topic. So a couple of things. One, in my all of my work that I've done in psychology, it's all been really in the service of gifted and talented women, many of whom are what we call twice exceptional, which I know you're familiar with that term. But that basically means that they're both very bright. So they have a fast intellect. They can figure things out quickly, make sense of things, know what to do about them quicker than most people can. It's basically processing speed. And then they also have something else going on. My favorite something else's to work with are things like ADHD, mood disorders, and that kind of thing. Anxiety, trauma, that kind of thing often comes up with people who are also very bright. And one of the things that in all of the research and all of the the work that I've done in this at this intersection of ADHD and intelligence or being very bright is that I learned very quickly that the diagnostic criteria for ADHD and the characteristics of the creative personality are basically two sides of the same coin. This was research that was done years ago, long before I was actually diagnosed with ADHD myself. Well, along with that foundational research that creativity and ADHD are basically two sides of the same coin, the thing that I have come to realize is I have worked with women who are high achieving, who are very, very bright and also have ADHD is that we happen to have some native intuition that isn't accounted for or even understood necessarily by an IQ test or by any diagnostic criteria that we might look at. So that's the first thing I wanna say is that intuition often runs very much in the same line as creativity does and as the brain is is wired for ADHD. So I'll start there. I feel like you've got a question for me or something that's occurred to you though as I shared that. No, I think when you said that that there's not this it's like, you know, the diagnostic and we and when we when women are finally getting their diagnoses, there's all the negative traits that mm-hmm. they are expected to, you know, list oh, yeah. and it's you know, and, and without a doubt, there's been challenges, huge challenges for many women. But when I, there seems to be this common thread that many women have either been conditioned to suppress their intuition or they've noticed that they do have this strong sense of intuition, this empathy, this sensitivity, this connection. And very often they've not been able to use it or perhaps they've Mm -hmm. just not known how to tap into it. And then when they get the ADHD diagnosis, it's kind of like a bit of an opening, a little bit of a permission Mm -hmm. to to maybe look into it a little bit further. So I think that's what I notice. Yes, I think that, I mean, for me, I didn't get diagnosed until I was actually in graduate school getting my PhD in counseling psychology. And the way that I figured out that I had ADHD is I was actually giving ADHD assessments to university students. And I started really looking closely at the at the diagnostic characteristics and also at the um, the assessments that we were giving at the time. And I was like, wait a minute, that sounds a whole lot like me as I was doing a retrospective on myself. And I, and I went in and I talked to a psychologist who I worked with at the time. And she was like, yes. So that was the first time that finally it made sense 
why my brain was like it was. I was forgetful. One of the criteria for ADHD is they describe it like being deliberately careless. It just sounds so judgmental. I was never deliberately careless. I would try really hard, but my brain would just miss things and I would mix up numbers and things like that. So it really kind of created a difficulty with my self-esteem, I'll just say. Like there was something wrong with me. It became a character flaw. But one of the gifts that I have found with my brain, and I'm thinking that you probably have found this with yours too, as you as you open up to your own intuition, is that we have this capacity to just scan our environment and find those key pieces of information when we're working with our clients. It might come up as like a tingly sensation or a spidey sense or some kind of ping in our in our consciousness that we can track to. And that's the path that we follow as we're as we're following our intuition. We're we're following kind of the shiny objects, but really in a very mindful and meaningful way, as we're kind of maybe we can think about it rather than shiny objects as um like breadcrumbs. Mm. We're following the breadcrumbs that pop up in our awareness. And then because we have such fast processors, we can just move in the direction of those breadcrumbs and follow the breadcrumbs rather than being overwhelmed by the whole field of information. So I want to come back though to your original question was this link between ADHD and intuition. And the point I want to make there is that I give a personality assessment that's called the NEO five-factor personality assessment. It's the gold standard of personality assessments that psychologists will use to help people understand why they feel so differently from everybody else. Mm. It's norm-based and standardized. And one factor of that personality profile is called openness to experiences. Well, openness to experiences is the hallmark of the creative personality. But what I have discovered in my own work is that it's also, it also seems to be the hallmark of spiritual intelligence, intuition rides on that same factor of personality as well. So we have this very unique personality factor in the population, those of us who have ADHD and are intuitive and happen to be probably pretty bright as well, are pretty unique in the population. We have a different perspective on things. And one of the gifts that we have is our intuition. It's our capacity to imagine, to see what's possible in the future. It's our capacity to feel very deeply that emotional intelligence, to feel our own emotions and the emotions of other people. It's that wanderlust, the I want to try new things and go new places. And of, of course, we have the dopamine connection there as well. We're always looking for the next interesting thing to kind of give us that dopamine surge. And we often will challenge the status quo. We're not the ones who are going to just go along to get along. We're the ones who are going to be asking why. Why are we doing things this way? Why is this societal standard this way? Why is the religious standard mm. this way? We're the ones who are the outliers. And in some ways, I really believe that we're the ones who are born to rock the boat, to make waves and to innovate and make changes to the world as we see it to create something new and different and probably better than what's come before. Oh my goodness, 100%. I've got complete chills when you say that because despite that hypervigilance that we have, like that, like you described, the scanning the environment and sort of noticing what's the most important thing we need to focus on, instead of like dilly-dallying and trying to do everything, we just kind of go, right, what's the most important thing I need to do now, which is why we're often quite good in a crisis. Yes, we get very overwhelmed by lots of small details, but throw us in, into a crisis and we're probably the best people in the room. But also that that way of being able to scan and spot and see ahead and that future. And again, I, I mean, I see it with myself, but I also see it with people I, I know with ADHD, they're very good at spotting trends and great to work, you know, marketing and PR, like mm -hmm. music, fashion, creativity, mm -hmm. because we see beyond what's already been created. We can see new things. And that is why so much of ADHD should be celebrated. But unfortunately, it comes, you know, with a double edged sword of, of difficulty, sort of mental health challenges. So I would just wonder how, if someone's listening to this now, and they are starting to understand their ADHD, and they are get they've got this new diagnosis, how do they start tapping into that intuition that they kind of suspect is there, but they, they don't know how to work with it. Well, let's talk about what intuition is, first of all, because we all use that word, but do we actually know what that is? And uh, there are a couple of things that stand out for me about that. It is 
it's a method of processing or it's a, yeah, it's a, I'll call it a method of processing information, first of all. And it's taking in the whole big picture, the gestalt of something and being able to tune into the subtle energies of it. It's a capacity to see into something, to see deep, more deeply into something. It's the capacity to know something that maybe other people aren't aware of or don't realize. Like when I was a little girl, and I was probably in grade three or grade four, I could tune in and find out when the teacher was gonna have a pop quiz. And I would just study for it and then I would get an A on the quiz. Was I cheating? No, I would just like, all of a sudden it would occur to me, oh, she's gonna have a quiz on you know, multiplication tables or whatever and I would just study for it and then get an A. And I've had things in, even in high school that would just download, whole essays would download for scholarship applications that I would have to write as I was walking to write, walking down the hall to write the essay. So those are the kinds of experiences people who are tuned into their intuition have just very naturally. It's just as a connection. I believe it's a connection to source consciousness, God, zero point, however you want to label. We have human labels for this thing that we don't understand. But um, so that's what intuition is. What blocks it, what comes in between us and our intuition is things like when you just discover you have ADHD, you mentioned grief and looking back at your life and thinking, I know I did this, maybe you did too. Oh my gosh, if we would have known this when I was like 10, how different would my life have been? How different would I have thought about myself? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, there are some people who get diagnosed early and then they have to deal with the label and what that meant for them as well. So it really is an identity development process and coming to terms with this is how my brain is wired. And because this is how my brain is wired, I'm going to see something in a certain way. And I'm going to learn as much about my intuition as possible so that to your point, that when you follow it, you trust it, it works out really well for you. Um, so grief is one thing that needs to be processed through when you're coming into understanding your intuition, understanding what the diagnosis of ADHD means to you in your own life. The other thing that you can start processing and really looking at is where have I been too well adjusted for my own good? This is something that is often, it's a common challenge that women who are, who are talented, who are very bright, who have ADHD, have to come to terms with is that we contort ourselves and shape shift and make ourselves agreeable enough so that we don't make waves so that we don't piss people off excuse my language if that's not appropriate for me to use at this point but it really is just there's this kind of acquiescing who we are in order to be able to fit in in order to help people feel more comfortable around us but when you're too well adjusted for your own good you're not really truly in alignment with your soul's gifts with what your purpose is because you're constantly patrolling to see well who needs this from me and we have the capacity as creatives to be very chameleon-esque in our mm. in our approach as well so we can shape shift and become the version of ourselves that's most agreeable to whatever environment we're in. It's that kind of good girl syndrome, I would call it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the masking is huge, mm -hmm. isn't it? And we've just done that and maybe not even known we were doing it. That's the thing. Yeah. It's so unconscious. And then I like the terminology you just used then, the acquiescing. I've noticed that I don't know if it's an age thing as well. I do believe there's this sort of like a combination. If if we're getting our ADHD diagnoses sort of like in our 40s, I wonder if that's when we're sort of naturally stepping into a new chapter of of like not caring as much anymore and realizing actually, okay, I'm midlife here and I want to start living life truthfully and authentically. And then we kind of given that extra permission slip, I guess, with the ADHD and recognizing how exhausting and tiring it's been. And if we're exhausted and tired and depleted, our energy is not going to be like an open energy, is it? It's going to just be, you know, blocking. Block it's a survival energy, isn't it? As opposed to being open and welcoming in new opportunities and ways of being. And I think that's how I've been guided to where I am right now, because I've kind of continuously tapped into I hope the right path and if I didn't know the way 
and I wasn't sure I just openly kind of say just guide me show me send me the people the resources the information the next best step if I just was at that point where I was just I don't know what to do and that in itself has helped me because I've sort of opened up a channel whatever you want to call it yes for guidance to come through yes and again, the terminologies and the language is so hard, isn't it? Everyone uses different, mm-hmm. you know, and if someone here is like, that's a bit woo, like guidance and channeling. And I just use it in the way that works for me. And it has continued to serve me. Well, don't you think but it's also time to just normalize the woo anyway? Because especially <laughs> for women who have ADHD, we have a native intuition. We have a connection. And as long as, let's talk about masking for a second, as long as we're masking not just the ADHD symptoms, which a lot of us do not to be manipulative or to hide anything, but just because we can, we just deploy our intellectual resources to wherever we need to or our humor. We deflect in order to, you know, just keep moving forward on whatever we're working on. But the the masking of our intuition is another, I think, milestone that we have to address when we're coming into full expression or full actualization of who we are becoming as humans. Now we've reached a place, I believe, at this point in time where it's never been safer for us to come out as intuitive. It's never been more appropriate for us to be front and center with using our gifts, our talents, and our abilities in a way that's in the highest service to our own actualization, but then to be the contribution to what's to come Mm. as well. Wow. Yeah. I think that's really powerful, isn't it? Because anyone that's listening now who works in corporate jobs, science, lawyers, accountants, like doing things that intuition they believe doesn't come into it, it's this allowance of it's okay to be both and that invitation to be both I think is really exciting because we should be intermingling the worlds really shouldn't we well the creative personality resolves polarities meaning that you can be both and and creative people Mm -hmm. often are both and both playful and very serious about their work both very open and able to be in flow and also very critical about what they produce as well. And and I think that when we talk about, I know I'm sort of talking about creativity and intuition, but these are these are very unique but related abilities that some of us have access to, many of us have access to, I'm sure, in, in this community that we're in right now. And so when we're looking at people who aren't necessarily particularly creative and not necessarily particularly intuitive and we're interacting with them, does that mean that we're not supposed to be ourselves in this era of diversity, inclusion, belonging, and equity? I think now more than ever before, it's okay to say that you have neurodiversity and it certainly is becoming more and more important for us to acknowledge the intuition because I really believe the future, especially in a corporate space, the people who are going to be elevated into leadership are those who are emotionally intelligent, who are intuitive. They're not going to be rewarded for just being a really hard worker anymore, but they're looking at really what are the native talents of this particular person and what do we need in order to lead this group of people to optimize the team? Well, it's probably not somebody who can roll up their sleeves and get down in the weeds and get into the details. It's probably somebody who can manage consciousness, who can manage the energy of everybody who's present and who better than somebody who's got a neurodiverse brain who's connected with their intuition. Now that's where we're headed. It's not going to happen tomorrow. But I will say this, just to pull back the curtains on my on my coaching practice, that the people who come to me are executive level engineers, scientists, and physicians. So I just want to just let that land because I think that we have this assumption that those those are the people who aren't coming. Well, the female engineers are emotionally intelligent. They are very intuitive. Do they talk about it? Well, they are now that they're learning from me how to talk about it. The physician, same thing. So we're changing things one brain at a time, one heart at a time. So I'm just interrupting today's podcast because I want to let you know about a brand new program that I'm relaunching towards the end of January 2024. And I've got a sign up page on my website right now. I'm still 
planning it. I'm still working on it, but I have to say this is probably one of my most exciting programs so far. This is so intuitive and authentic to me. Anyone that's worked with me will really see where this is going. So this is all about changing the energetics from within and changing our stories, releasing old blocks, old conditioning, and creating a new future, visualizing a new way of being, and really letting go of the things that have been holding us back. This is all about our spiritual growth, leaning into what feels right to us and not doing all the shoulds and the needs and the comparing and working on the internal dialogue and the stories and the words that we say to ourselves, changing the energetics from within so we can reflect outwards and change what our reality is. And so many of us who have had a diagnosis much later on in life can feel really stuck and feel like we're an old version of ourselves. And then the diagnosis brings revelations and new ways of wanting to be and think and live. But often we find it very difficult to get there. So in this program, it's going to be me holding you accountable, motivating you, giving you practical, but also spiritual and energetic ways of shifting the dials, changing the way we think and believe and the stories that we tell ourselves and the words that we use. And I'm really, really excited about this. I'm still conjuring up all the details, but it will be probably a 45 minute workshop every two weeks for about three or four months. So I'm going to be sort of hand-holding you, cheerleading you, motivating you, giving you new ways of doing things, helping you make decisions and choices that feel right and aligned with you. This is stepping into your most truthful, authentic version of you and changing this reality and really leaning into a different way of being now that you have more awareness. I really believe that this is something that I've been working on for for many years and I can't wait to finally share some of the tips and the ways that I have helped change how I show up in the world, because it's very different to how it was five years ago. So I'm hoping that in this program, this container, I'm going to be opening it up. I'm really going to be creating a community of people who are ready to step out of a mentality that feels like the world has been doing things to them and start taking action and charge from a place that feels good to you. And this is not about doing. This is about being. This is about feeling. So if you really don't align with this sort of action and goal setting and sort of new new year resolutions, this may be a much softer approach for you and really work with our neurodivergent minds. So head to my website. You're going to see on the homepage a sign-up page. If you just put your name and email address there, I promise you that when this is all live and I've got all the details, you guys are going to be the first people to get it. Now back to today's episode. How do you kind of help coach, teach your clients to tune into their intuition more? And especially because I used to get put off by, you have to sit in meditation for hours oh, yeah. and wait for the download. Yeah. And I'd sit there and all I'd think was shopping list, pick the kids up, yeah. do this. And it would be the opposite of yeah. the downloading of messages. <laughs> so here's the thing, is that your intuition is not like a vending machine where you go put a quarter in and you get a Kit Kat out. Like it's not meant to be transactional in other words, it's a relationship. So the more time you spend in relation with your intuition, you know, the thing I was taught long ago when I had my spiritual awakening, I was in my twenties, so I had my, I'll call it my quarter life crisis. And I started really understanding myself as an intuitive person and that's actually that was the first step in my path. The ADHD diagnosis came several years after that. So first I realized, oh, all of this stuff that I know that I don't know why I know, that's intuition. So that was the first thing. But what my teacher taught me to do is to connect in with my higher self, with my divine self, my divine and eternal self, and to give that aspect of myself a name. Because when you do that, that's the intuition. And when you personify it, when you give it a character, you can actually have conversations with it. You can write letters to it. 
You can be in constant communication with this higher aspect of your consciousness. Higher, and I don't mean like in a hierarchical way, sense, I just mean like in a frequency sense that something that is not physically embodied, but you have access to in your consciousness. And so when I started doing that, then I became aware of not just my higher self, my, my divine and eternal self, but also my, the guidance that I had around me. I was raised Catholic. And my mom taught me how to pray the, the guardian angel prayer when I was a little girl, and that activated something in me. So I always knew I was never alone. But then I began having conversations with my guides and my angels and just learning how much non-physical support I had made life seem less lonely. I felt more connected. And that really was the sort of the starting point for all of the work that I have experienced all the all of the work I have done around intuition and teaching other people how to access their own intuition is tapping into the bigger part of who you are so when you say you, you know your guides mm -hmm. angels like I I it comes to me in different ways I think but I don't have that like oh I can hear that mm -hmm. or or, or I know that they're here or anything, but I have, I think I have it in different ways through signs and numbers and all, and things like that. Is that a thing? Like, do you, do you know that they're there? Do you know, or can you hear, like, how can you explain it in sure. the most sort of sure. human way? Let's say there are four different channels through which intuitive information comes. Clairvoyance is one of the ones that is everyone is probably most familiar with. It's clear seeing. It's your inner vision. It's your imagination. It's being able to see kind of like a movie playing in your imagination. When somebody tells you a story, they're, they're your client. They tell you a story. You can probably see that playing out in your mind's eye. The idea, though, is that the clairvoyance is one of the channels of intuition. But there's also claircognizance, which is just clear knowing. It's, I know it in my bones. I can't necessarily say why I know it. I just know it. When I'm a kid and I know that my teacher is going to give me a pop quiz, it's just as like it pings in my system. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I'll just study for it. And sure enough, clear audience is clear hearing. And you can actually hear in your inner ear. It's not like a, for me anyway, I think for some people they can actually hear it in with their physical ears. I was just teaching my niece this yesterday. She just turned 10. She's got ADHD and she's very intuitive. It runs in families. And I was doing a little animal card reading with her for her birthday. And the first card that we pulled was um, a white raven. And we call her, my niece. my niece's name is not this, but we call her Birdie. And I'm like, oh, look at, here's your bird. This is your white raven. And I, and I gave her the image of the white raven. I said, listen, I said, she's, she's sitting on your shoulder. What's her name? I said, just listen. Well, my niece is hearing impaired. She wears hearing aids. And she said, I can't hear it. I said, you don't have to hear it with your, she said, I don't have my hearing aids in. I can't hear it. I said, you don't have to hear it with your physical ears. You can hear it in your inner ear. And it took her a minute and I could feel because the, the other element of, intuition is clairsentience, the clear feeling. And it feels kind of like a tingly sensation to me, but I could feel when she got the information and she said, oh, her name is Isabel, right? So there's that, there's that clear audience where it just comes through in your inner ear. And my guides speak to me a lot in my, with clear audience. They give me a word, they give me just a little phrase and I can track it from there. And then the, the clairsentience is the other one that is that just that spidey sense. I call it that clear feeling, just that, that ping or that resonance. Like when we started this podcast and I said, I have chills. It's like that feeling of just being in complete alignment. So those are the four modalities. For most people, they'll have one or two that's most prominent. It's not that you can't develop the others. It just is that those are the most prominent. So which one is for you most prominent? I very often get chills, like very often get goosebumps. I like feel things in my body. Um, when someone says something quite profound, it just hits mm -hmm. me. I don't know. You see, when you describe about the Claire audience, I don't have it in my actual ears, but phrases, words, things just come. Um, I think my cerebral brain and my still like not still quite understanding it is the 
is that just a coincidence? Is that just my brain working? Is that just because like my brain's just clicked into place? I still question it. We're so cute about that. <laughs> so here's how I tell the difference between my ego mind and my intuition or my spiritual connection. My ego mind is very bossy. It's a, kind of a know-it-all and kind of tells me what to do and is kind of snarky, okay? My intuition is very polite, not polite in a rigid way, but just like respectful, never tells me what to do, never bosses me around, makes a suggestion, gives a nudge. Can you feel the, the difference in those two energies? And so when you, discernment is a big part of intuition, isn't it? So being able to pay attention on purpose to the quality of what's coming through for you um, and to the tone, the tenor, the texture of it can really provide some good information about, am I just thinking this? Am I just making it up in my head? Or is it my intuition? And the other thing about our, our egos, our intellects, our cognitions is that they're repetitive. They're not particularly creative. They're kind of boring actually. And they often will start with, you should, you ought to, you have to, you must. That's all ego. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because you say it like that and it feel, and it's so clear. Mm -hmm. It's just so clear. It's kind of like, well, why do we not all know this? Like why, why, you know? If we learn, learn this from such a young age, if we start trusting ourselves from such a young age, and I know with ADHD that self-doubt is, is massive and we have, we've been conditioned not to trust ourselves from, you know, various things like what you said, you know, earlier on about we make silly mistakes, we oversee things, we forget things. So we start overcompensating and not trusting our brains and overworking. And then, you know, we have the burnout, you know, these, these burnout cycles, because we keep pushing and trying and doing more because we feel like we've missed something or we should be further along than we are. And I see that, you know, in so many, even very successful women, yes. they still don't trust themselves. They don't trust themselves. They're exhausted and they're constantly trying to prove themselves. Mm -hmm. And listen, this is not a criticism or a judgment. Been there, done that, wrote the book, have the t-shirt and the coffee mug, like I've done the whole thing. And the more, so the longer I've been doing this work and the more I've gotten to know and understand my own relationship with my own intuition, my own highest levels of consciousness, the more I've started trusting. Now, I have a teacher who says that you can be intuitively aware Meaning that you can have us, and we've all done this. We have this thing and like afterwards, you're like, oh God, I knew that was going to happen, right? Like I knew that, whatever. So that's intuitive awareness, but actually being in tune with your intuition is taking action on it, even if it doesn't make logical sense. So have you got an example for that? Because I talk about <laughs> this a lot. I talk yeah. about like, sometimes just trusting even if it makes no sense at all and that's really hard it's really hard it in is. this day and age when we like sense we like rationale we like mm -hmm. to know what's coming and then all of a yeah. sudden you know I mean, I mean we hear all these romantic stories you know bumping mm -hmm. into someone meeting someone and yes in the field of synchronicity that's where the magic happens and of course i'm going to bring up a romantic story because it's the best kind to illustrate this point but years ago i was single i had decided earlier in the year that i was calling in my divine life partner and i had been traveling i'd been in the uk i'd been in paris all year long and i had finally come home to land in in scottsdale arizona and i was going to meet my girlfriend for dinner at one of my favorite restaurants. But I was tired, it was hot, it was like, it, I don't even, and it wasn't Paris. It, I was tired, it was hot, and it wasn't Paris. And I was really not wanting to go. But something inside of me was like, no, you have to go. And it wasn't like a have to, like an ego, an egoic have to, it was just like this feeling compelled, like you need to be there. Well, I went, I sat down at the counter next to my girlfriend. We're chatting. This handsome man sits down next to me. 
asks for the baseball game to be put on the TV. And now I'm married to him. And I knew that day that I met him that we would be married. So that's a, that's a wow. That's like a wow factor example. But even something as simple as if you get a hit that maybe I should go a different direction to go to the supermarket today or to go pick up my kid from school. You may not know the why of it, but you can explore that path. Here's the thing that I've learned too. I learned this from my dad a long time ago. My dad is my really my first teacher of spirituality and intuition. He said, he said, make your decision the right decision. I think one of the things that messes with our intuition is that when we decide something and then we try to walk it back. But if you start treating your intuition like it's a tube of toothpaste, like you can't put the toothpaste back in after you've squeezed it out. So be creative with it then at that point. Okay. Because you can't turn right? back time. No, you can't. And if you just keep making your decision the right decision, that is, I think, the sort of illustration of what it means to be intuitive is that I'm going for it, whatever it is. And I'm going to make my decision the right decision. And I'm not going to complain about it. And I'm not going to compare myself to anybody else. I'm just going to make this decision. I'm going to get in alignment with it. And it doesn't mean that you can't decide again. You just can't ever walk it back because you've already decided something. So go with it and create. You're choosing to back yourself. You're choosing to step forward and work with the situation, but also be open to creative possibilities. Yes. So do, do people come to you and do you know straight away are like, okay, bingo, I'm working with someone who is like super intuitive here. This is exciting. And then do you have other people where it's just like they're too closed? Like you can't, you can't go there. You know, I've reached a point in my work where the people who come to me are highly intuitive. Remember I mentioned that assessment that I give. I give anybody who shows up to work with me gets this assessment because I really want to see in a room of a hundred people or a thousand people or even 10,000 people, how unique is your personality? So I've reached a point where I'm working with really unique personalities and highly open to experiences. So they're probably going to have ADHD. They are more likely than not going to be highly intuitive as well, but they don't come to me because they're intuitive. They hear something in what I'm talking about. Maybe when I talk about the assessment, they're like, oh, I, I need to take that assessment with Robin. There's something in the story. There's something in the energy that pulls them forward. And then they learn about themselves. They learn when we look at their, their personality profile, well, this is why you've always felt so different from everybody else. Because actually in the population, you have one of the most unique personalities in a football stadium. There might be two or three people who have this particular degree of intuition, for example. The people who are closed don't, they just can't even hear me. Like we're on completely different radio and they stations. they won't come to you. No. Oh, there are some people who just cannot, like there, <laughs> when I was doing my work as a psychologist at the university level, I, I helped to open a school for gifted kids. Kind of like, it was kind of like a, like a Harry Potter school almost. It wasn't magical, but it was very high for highly able. A lot of them were quite intuitive, but there were some kids who were very, very smart who were not intuitive. And they were just like, you could just see them almost be repelled by me. Like, don't make me go talk to Dr. McKay, please. <laughs> and I, you know, I have great love for them as well, but they, you know, we, I'm not for everybody. I'm not Nutella. And apparently some people don't even like Nutella, which is very strange to me, but. I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> okay. Well, see, there you go. But the idea is that when I talk about intuition, ADHD, spirituality, just like you said, like you've gotten much more interested and curious about your own spirituality. That's the kind of resonance that pulls people, that kind of pings their attention and, and pulls them to say, yeah, I'm really curious about working and learning more about myself yeah. through this lens of personality and intuition and so on. Yeah. And just before we finish, because I'm interested if yeah. you talk um, about channeling yes. and I, I am fascinated by this and, and you talk about creativity and I wonder is, 
you know, when when you've got people who are writing and, and then it's music and it's art and they go into this state of flow. Yes. We try and make sense of that. But actually, very often you hear about musicians and they wake up in the night and they literally have a song and they have to just get the guitar, write it down, and it just comes out of them, like almost like they've had no control over it. In what way do you channel? And sometimes, you know, would other people maybe see that in themselves, but they they can't recognize it? They don't even use that word. And I guess, how would you describe it? Yeah. So channeling is one of those words, again, like intuition that people use and they don't really know what it means, or we all have a different experience with it. When I think about channeling, I think about flow. You know, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, the, the psychologist wrote an, an entire book about flow and flow is a consciousness state that's associated with creativity. It's where you lose track of time. You're completely involved, engaged in the activity, challenged by it. And your abilities always rise to meet the challenge. And to your point, musicians will find flow when they are composing music or when they're playing. Writers will find it when they're writing. I find it when I find flow when I'm having conversations with you, for example. So that's one example of channeling, is channeling the creative life force energy that you have access to. So I talk about channeling in that way. I also talk about channeling frequency. I say people, everybody's channeling something. Some people are channeling frustration, anxiety, depression. Some people channel joy. Some people channel radiance, optimism, hope. So if you think about that as a stream of consciousness, you can think about channeling in that way. And then the last way that I talk about channeling is actually channeling or having communications with my guides and sharing the information as it comes through to me. Now, there are some people who literally will step their own consciousness aside and allow a non-physical being to have access to their consciousness or to have access to their physical being so that they can communicate through the physical being. I don't do that necessarily so much as I'll just have a conversation with them. They'll speak through me, but I'm still here. Not everybody is able to do that, wanting to do that, desiring to do that. But I do know that we have an infinite amount of benevolent consciousness around us who are here to help and support us. And those of us who are open and willing are being asked to step forward to, to share this information with, with the world. Wow. It's just about finding the joy. And that's why, you know, gratitude and just trying to, yeah, trying to connect with the the right people when noticing your energy and we can all practice this you know even if what you're talking about sounds really big and a lot for people there'd be a lot of people there totally understanding what you're saying but there may be more people who aren't on this this spiritual plane that we are who are notice that when they're around the people that fill them up and they're doing the things that light them up that's when they notice perhaps, okay, this is this is how it's meant to be. So it's I guess it's how we all decipher it and, and pick out pick out what works for us. And we interpret the spirituality in that way. And we interpret. Mm-hmm. And I just know that people who um love being by nature, by the water, with their children, you know, they they like simple things in life. That's when they feel at their most happiest. And I guess that's what we yeah. all need to harness. Well, here's, here's the thing. And we can just, let's just bring this all the way back to positive psychology. Let's just ground this in science. Because remember, I, I'm a bridge between science and spirit. The best place we can ground all of this information, all of the energy that we've talked about is in the, is in the science of positive psychology. This is pretty cool. It's older research, but I remember when I first read this, I was like, Thank you for finally showing this. You know, in psychology, it's very difficult to demonstrate cause. You'll see in research, you'll say X is related to Y or X is correlated to Y. But there was actually a group of researchers back in about 2005 who published a study on a meta-analysis of, I think over 250,000 people were involved in all of these studies on the link between well-being and success. And the finding was that the link between happiness and success is causal and bidirectional. So happiness, feeling well, feelings of well-being create the conditions for success to arise. And success is 
on many, many different levels, personal, professional, financial, and so on. And success creates the conditions for more happiness and well-being to arise. So if we just bring it all back to that, I know we traveled to the edges of the universe today, but if we can just come back to the better you feel, the more inflow you are, the more you can really truly practice authentic gratitude, find something to be grateful for every single day and feel it, channel gratitude. The better you feel, the easier it is for you to be in flow, the easier it is for you to experience the success in your heart's desires. That comes down to alignment. So that means really clearing out the, the anxiety, the depression, the, the traumas, clearing out meaning transforming it, doing the deeper inner work to make sure that you're as crystal clear as possible to allow the flow to come through. Mm. Cause we've all experienced to some degree, some level of depression where I can't even get myself out of bed. How do you want me to be creative? So then that becomes a matter of nurturing the nervous system, nurturing the physical body, cultivating a sense of well-being, so that those are the conditions from which the success arises. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for explaining it all so beautifully and so simply, but also so deeply. And um, it's really opened my eyes even more. I mean, I thought I sort of got this stuff, but you've just managed to take it to the next layer for me. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, can you You're tell welcome. people, you know, how they can work with you, how they can contact you? Um, I'm sure yeah. people will be really interested. Well, thank you. Yes, and I'm happy to. There are usually on podcasts like this, there are usually a couple of people who raise their hand and say, oh, I need to have a conversation with you. The best way to get started is just to book a call with me. So you go to drrobinmckay.com forward slash call, and that gives you access to my calendar. You get yourself on my calendar, and then you and I can have a conversation privately about what the best approach is for working together. I think that always a good first step is taking that personality assessment. And um, certainly doing that is, is uh, a game changer in terms of understanding who you are as a creative person, as an intuitive person, and as somebody who's twice exceptional with the ADHD on top of that. So that's a really good first step as well. And you can, you can learn more about that just by booking into that call and we can get you set up for that. And then I'm on Instagram, dr.robinmckay. And I'm on YouTube, Dr. Robin McKay as well. And I've got my podcast, Becoming the Channel, just kicked off in March and it has just been, it's already beloved. So we talk about channeling wealth consciousness and all kinds of high frequencies along with some, I have some interviews with some pretty interesting people who channel other consciousness as well. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'll make sure everything is on the show notes and people can contact you through that. Thank you so much, Robin. Really appreciate you today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did and it resonated with you, I would absolutely love it if you could share on your platforms or maybe leave a review and a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please do check out my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk for lots of free resources and paid for workshops. I'm uploading new things all the time and I would absolutely love to see you there. Take care and see you for the next episode.